Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Uh, but I am just so grateful. And in the vein, in that vein, you know, so I was talking to a friend this morning in the parking lot of the church. He had texted me and I was like, I can't text him. I drive. So I called him when I got in the parking lot and uh, we were just sharing and sharing how great God is. And he uh, shared with me a scripture. He was like, oh, you know. I was just encouraging him. He's in Boston. A good friend. He normally is here, but he's in Boston for the summer, and he'll be back. Uh, my my workout buddy and running buddy. <laughs> um, but he shared with me First uh, Corinthians fifteen and fifty eight. He was just, just encouraging me um, to labor. Our labor is not in vain. And so I'll read that for you. First uh, Corinthians First Corinthians fifteen, verse fifty eight, and says, "Therefore, my dear brothers." Be steadfast, unmovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Ah, and that was a good word because it was confirmed today uh, through the prayer, through the messages of prayer. Because sometimes we can get discouraged when we don't see things change. Uh, and we can feel like we're laboring and we see nothing happening. And he was encouraging me that in my labor that it will be not in vain uh, in the Lord because it's for the Lord. And so I want to encourage you today uh, that your labor is not in vain and that the Lord sees your hard work, sees what you're doing, and uh, he will perform that unmovable. When you're unmovable and when you're steadfast, he will go through and do what is exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or think whether it is healing of your voice, whether it is winning uh, souls, uh, whether it's family members that aren't saved, uh, that you've been praying for and you don't see uh, the fruit of those prayers, whether it is your children <laughs> where you've been praying for and you don't see the fruit of your prayers, your labor is not in vain. And so I want to encourage you today. It has nothing to do with our message, maybe, <laughs> uh, but it just encouraged me and everything thus far has just been encouraging, so I want to encourage you as well. We are talking about discipleship still, uh, becoming a disciple maker, and I think this is our final message, I think, at least for this season on discipleship. Um, I think discipleship is always going to be important to the church and the church body because this is what we're called to do. We're called to go out and make disciples. Um, so this is always going to be a theme that we're going to do, but at least for this season. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, I saw two Jack and Jenny. I did not recognize you guys. First. <laughs> Hello. Uh, it startled me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Good to see you guys. Um, but uh, discipleship will always be a tenant in, in the faith that we're always going to come back to. Uh, and so don't think that this is just the final message. But the final message in this series will get going, move on to something else uh, throughout the summer. But I've been grateful for it. It's been very uh, challenging and rewarding for me. It's ministered to me personally, and I pray that it has for you as well. And so we're going to end with uh, Discipleship 101, Becoming a Disciple Maker, and we're going to look at Timothy. And some of you guys should have this handout here. Uh, on the one side, it has the notes for today, so it has the scriptures that we have. And then the other side, it has our uh, diagram that we've been talking about, so our tic-tac-toe board. And so you are in the middle says, you are here, like you're in the mall, you are here, uh, or a map <laughs> shows where you are. Uh, and then the Paul is at the top, and we talked about what those were. We talked about Paul. The four things that we learned from Paul is that Paul was uh, 
very instrumental in building strong relationships. He was persistent in prayer. He was open about his suffering, and he used his testimony, and you should use your testimony uh, to win others to Christ, but to also, when you're discipling others, they want to know the truth about who you are and where you come from (laughs) and what the Lord has done in your life. And then the Barnabas, we learned that uh, Barnabas is a nickname, uh, and it, it, it means to have a spirit of encouragement. So Barnabas had a spirit of encouragement. Uh, Barnabas saw past individual faults and sins because he saw people the way God sees people, and he was very intentional about his relationship. Uh, and Barnabas is instrumental in Paul's relationship. So initially, Barnabas stuck his neck out for Paul because Paul had been a persecutor of the church. And then when Paul came to the apostles, they said, we don't want anything to do with this guy. <laughs> this is the same guy who was trying to kill, who has killed and tried to kill members of the early church. Um, but then Paul, Saul at that point had an encounter with the Lord uh, and changed his heart. And Barnabas saw that. So Barnabas pa- saw past his past. You know, sometimes we can't get past our own past. Uh, and I think Paul had difficulty with this past. Uh, but Barnabas saw past that. And he saw the work that God was doing in his life. And so um, Barnabas saw past his past. And he saw him the way God saw him. And then he was intentional. So now we're going to look at Timothy. And there are four things we can glean from Timothy and his discipleship. And more importantly, his relationship with Paul. So we're going to talk about Paul a little bit, but we are going to focus on Timothy. Uh, Just give you a little bit of background information. Timothy's mother was Jewish and his father was Greek. And it comes out uh, in 2 Timothy 1.5. It says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, was dealt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded in you also. Not much is, uh, and I'm persuaded in you also. Not much is known about uh, Timothy's father in that he's Greek. That's all we know about him. Uh, some theologians say that he wasn't around. That can't be proven. <laughs> I, I tend to lean on the fact that he probably was around, uh, and we'll get into that a little bit later, um, because, uh, again, he has this duality in that he is Greek and he is Jew. Um, uh, but he had a grandmother and mother who was of the faith and early on. Uh, Timothy knew the faith. And so we're going to look at Acts 14, but then we're going to jump in again. We're going to talk about Paul in Acts 14, but this has an impact on Timothy's upbringing. So Acts 14 talks about Paul visiting uh, Lestra, which is a small town in, I think, what is now modern-day Turkey uh, on the southern portion. And so Lestra, and we're going to start in verse 8, and I'm going I'm to just kind of jump around and look at this. But what happens is that um, there was a man who was crippled from birth. He couldn't use his feet. And so Paul came into the synagogue. And this is when Paul and Barnabas was on their first missionary journey. So they were, Paul and Barnabas had gotten together. and They went out to spread the gospel to Jews in particular on this missionary journey. And so what would happen is Paul and Barnabas would go into synagogues and just disrupt what was going on. They would preach Jesus and... Uh, and what the completion of, uh, and Paul was really strong in saying, hey, as a Jew, Jesus is the truth about what we've been taught all along. Uh, this is not a new religion, but this is a continuation 
of what we knew in, uh, in the uh, Hebrew Bible from Genesis, uh, the Torah, I guess, the five books of the Hebrew Bible. And so this was a completion of that. That's what Paul was teaching. But the Jews didn't, they rejected that. They was like, no, this is a new religion. We don't want any parts of this. And so they would go in, Paul and Barnabas at that time would go in from synagogue to synagogue and preach Jesus. And most of the time they got kicked out. They would win some souls over and establish churches in these cities that they were going to uh, and you know, lay hands on people, perform miracles, um, and set up a church. You know, they were uh, ordained some elders. And they were doing this from city to city. And so Lystra was unlike any other other city. Just like, yeah, just like the other city. And so there was a man that was from the womb that was crippled. And Paul stands up seeing this man and looked like he was a man that was believing what Paul was speaking on. Stood up and said, stand up straight on your feet. And so the man stood up. And so, of course, these people around him were in awe. And so uh, they were like, man, this guy, they knew this guy. They knew he was crippled. And they was like, man, he was been crippled from birth. And now here you are coming in and performing this miracle in front of the people. And so because these were Greek uh, and some Jewish people, but some, uh, they, they, they had some, a lot of times they had, they were idols. There were a lot of idols going on, idol worship in that time, and a lot of mixing of religions. So even though there may have been some Jews, uh, they took on some of the Greek characteristics. And so uh, they wanted to worship Paul and Barnabas. And so you see here they wanted to they call Paul Hermes, uh, and they call Barnabas Zeus. So they, they, uh, they uh, correlated them to as their Greek gods. It was like, oh, these must be gods who have come in with us. And so they wanted to worship them. And then Paul, of course, was upset about this. And was like, no way. This is not, <laughs> we're preaching the gospel. We're not, you're not supposed to worship us, but you, we want you to worship God. Uh, so I'm sure word got around that this miracle was performed. And uh, so some Jews from Antioch, which Paul and Barnabas had visited as well, had come in uh, from Antioch and Iconium, which are smaller cities, uh, or cities around or close to Lystra, had come in and had heard about what Paul and Barnabas had done. And so those Jews from Antioch came in per and persuaded those same people, this is how finicky we are, those same people who wanted to worship Paul and Barnabas now want to kill Paul and stone him they just didn't stone him. They almost stoned him to death. They thought Paul was dead. And they drugged him out of the city, assuming Paul was dead. And Barnabas and some of the other elders stood around him, and Paul got up. And some people say maybe he was resurrected at that time. Maybe he was actually dead and he was resurrected. We can't uh, confirm or deny that. But he got up. He was beat so bad that they thought he was dead. And he got up. Here's what Paul does. And here's, here's the... Um, Here's the impact that this has on Timothy. Because uh, in verse 21, so Paul was in Lystra. He performed this miracle. The Lord performed this miracle through Paul. Uh, the people wanted to worship him. Then the people wanted to kill him. They stoned him. They pulled him out of Lystra. And in verse 21, it says, And then when he had preached the gospel to the city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know if you got that, but this is the city that he was just beat almost to death. 
that he, they pulled him out of. And Paul, being the gangster that he is, <laughs> says, I will not be, t- be deterred by being beaten almost to death. I will go back and preach the gospel because they need to hear it. How much is your word important of us praying for the lost and doing whatever it takes because to win souls for the lost? And Paul's a good example of that. And even your message, uh, and when you spoke earlier, Laura, in your praise and worship, I knew this was God because I was like, Miss Laura, she's all in my message. What is she talking about, Paul's life? That's my job. <laughs> but I appreciate that. You opened up in worship and, and, and uh, acknowledging Paul and his many missions that he had and near-death near experiences, all to give the gospel, all to share the gospel to the lost. And so um, Timothy was in Lystra. And so I'm sure Timothy saw this and heard this and saw this guy, Paul, and was like, one, this dude is crazy because he got beat to death. <laughs> and he comes back in to preach the gospel. Man, that's powerful. And as a young person in the faith, that had an impact on Timothy. So much so that now Timothy is out doing the work of the ministry in the synagogue. And so when Paul returns to Lystra, because then Paul comes back on another missionary journey, him and uh Barnabas was on the first one, but then Paul comes back again a second time to Lystra. Again, Paul's not giving up on these cities. Uh, and then these are small churches, so Paul comes back to visit to make sure they're doing okay, make sure they're teaching the word, make sure they're sound in their doctrine. And so he comes back, and we are in Acts 16, 1 through 3, and it reads, Then he came to Darby and Lystra again, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy. So at this point, Timothy is a little bit older. He's experienced Paul in his first journey through Lystra in verse 14, and now we're a couple of years later, uh, I think maybe three or four, uh, in verse 16, and it says, Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who was at Lystra in Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go with him. So he was so well spoken of, it would impact it, Paul, in verse 3, Paul wanted to have him go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. So now we're going to look at four things we can glean from Timothy. One being, the first thing it says here, is that he was well spoken of. So so when I read that, that lets me know a couple of things, or two things at least. Uh, That he was doing something in the ministry, and what he was doing, he was doing it well. And so, to be well spoken of, uh, and by the brethren in that synagogue, he had to be doing something in the ministry, and he was doing it well enough that it impacted those people around him. So my question to you is, what are you doing in the ministry, and are you doing it well? So write that down for yourself. <laughs> rhetorical you don't have to have to raise your hand and answer it but what are you doing in the ministry and are you doing it well because I always have to challenge myself challenge myself I am whenever any message that I give you guys I am the first partaker of it so I've gotten beat with it all week long so I'm so ready to give it to somebody else 
um, this beating, <laughs> this harsh word, or whatever it is, because I've dealt with it all week long, or even two weeks, sometimes even longer. Uh, so yeah, so I'm I'm in I'm excited about partaking it and giving it on to someone else. Um, but yeah, what are you doing? So so I have to challenge myself when when I, when I was asked that question in, in my studies, then I have to self-assess. What am I doing in the ministry, and am I doing it well? That someone can say, so, so that I can be well-spoken of. And I pray that I am, but I'm more critical, sometimes you're more critical of yourself than other people may be. And then I always have my wife who is most critical of me, and so she's always going to, she doesn't dare. <laughs> but I want to know the truth about what I'm doing uh, and how I'm doing. Um, I was listening to a message, uh, and the guy said, uh, as, a, as a minister, to, keep, to definitely have some humility, he said, uh, you don't, as, as members of his church, he said, you don't want to know the real me. If you, want, if you knew the real me, you wouldn't want me to preach to you. And then he said, and if I knew the real you, I wouldn't want to preach to you as well. <laughs> so it goes both ways. But what are you doing in the ministry, and, and are you doing it well? So that means we need to be doing something. Whatever it is your gift is, Rebecca, whatever your gift is, (laughs) you you need to be using it for the ministry, for the Lord's sake. Um, 1 Timothy 1, and it says, I think this is verse 3, and it says, I urge you when I went into Macedonia. And he's talking, this is Paul talking to Timothy. Remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause dispute rather than glorify, rather than godly edification, which is in the faith. So this is Paul telling um, Timothy. And at this time, Timothy was doing work in the ministry. And I think even then, some people say uh, they called First and Second Timothy and Titus as the pastoral letters because they consider Timothy as a pastor. He was pastoring. He was going around and he was shepherding people. Uh, so he had moved up in the faith, but he had gotten a good name for himself because he was doing work in the ministry and was doing it well. So ask yourself, do some self-assessment for the next few weeks. What are you doing in the ministry and are you doing it well? And if you, you're not doing anything, then let's find something for you to do. There's plenty to do. There's plenty of prayer to go around. There's plenty. We need some people to intercede, which is what we want this to be a house of prayer. So I'm not even going to say there's tasks for you to do. That's, you know, that's old church. <laughs> but I want you to pray. I want you to intercede. I want you to seek the Lord on behalf of the lost. And should they, if they should, if, if the Lord should bring them to Cornerstone, allow them to corner, Cornerstone. But if the Lord should send them somewhere else, let them go somewhere else. But let them go. <laughs> no matter where it is, bring them in, Lord, to your church, your universal church. And let them be uh, become disciples and followers of you. And if you're needed to be building relationships, if you're supposed to be meeting with other people within this body, if you're supposed to be discipling someone, if you're supposed to be tapping someone and say, I need some mentorship, I need some accountability. I feel like I'm in this world as an island to unto my unto myself, and I need someone to to sharpen me and help me out. Then let's do it. Let's get it. 
There are people here who are equipped to do that. And you are equipped to do it for someone else. And so if someone comes tapping on your shoulder and say, I need you to speak into my life. I need some help. I need some guidance. Don't say, oh, you need to find someone else. I'm not the guy. <laughs> That's not the right answer. <laughs> you are it. So say, yes, tag, you're it. The second thing is to be trustworthy. Timothy proved to be trustworthy that Paul sent him as a representative to the churches he was concerned about. Uh, we see this a couple of times. First Thessalonians 3, 2, it says, Therefore, when we could no longer endure, we thought it'd be good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. So here again, Paul, Timothy has proven himself to be trustworthy so that Paul is able to say, hey, Timothy, you go to the Ephesians and check on them and encourage them and pray for them. It says the same again in Philippians 2.19. It says, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character. So he's talking about T- Timothy. He's saying, you know, everyone else I was in are, not, are, are all about their own thing. But I know Timothy will go and really give me a good report about how you guys are doing. In verse 22 it says, But you know his proven character, that as a, as a son with his father he serves. So this is not, and Paul mentions Timothy as a son several times um, in the New Testament. This is a spiritual son. It wasn't his physical son. It was a spiritual son. As a son with his father he served with me in the gospel. Therefore I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. And a lot of times, sometimes we forget, and, and, and this reminded me, that sometimes when Paul are writing these letters, Paul is not sitting at the embassy suites uh, with the nice <laughs> nice writing materials, and he's kicked back and he says, oh, what letter can I send to the Corinthians today? Let me write this nice letter. Paul is sometimes in jail. Sometimes he's on house arrest. Sometimes he's in a dungeon. Sometimes he's on the run from being killed again. But he, he even in the midst of all that, because sometimes it talks about that, he is concerned about others. He has such a deep concern for the church and the body of church and the disciples and, and the, the ministers and elders that he, he's, he's uh, spoken with previously that even... <laughs> Even near death, he's concerned about Ephesians and Corinthians and, and Titus and Timothy. And he's writing these guys saying, how are you doing? Give me a report. You know, I pray that you're and encouraging them in the word. And so we look at that and we don't always think that that, you know, we think, oh, he's just writing. Uh, but he's experiencing life just like many of us. Some pitfalls in life. And yet he realizes what's most important is not what I'm going through, <laughs> but are your souls being saved, and are you getting sound doctrine? This is good stuff, y'all. So yeah, so we're looking at be, be well spoken of, be trustworthy, and thirdly, have a spirit of humility. And this is good. This is really good. I, this is, I gave me a greater respect for Timothy 
uh, again, in Acts 16.3, Paul wanted to have Timothy circumcised uh, because he knew they would be in a region where there were Jews. So this was not something that had to be done. And this is important. Let's, let's get this now. This is not sinful that Timothy was not circumcised. And at this point, uh, Paul was speaking to the Gentiles and realized as a Gentile, you did not have to be circumcised um, because Christ came to all and is was for all. And at this point, but sometimes people would tell you uh, not what necessarily is, is, you know, we can deal with what's black and white. You know, so if there's sin in your life, yes, your mentor or whoever to say, that's sinful, don't do that. And you should say, okay, yeah, you're right. That's Biblically, that's sinful. I'm not going to do that. But this was a gray area. And Timothy was willing to submit to Paul's authority and leadership in his life. Not because it was wrong, but because it was expedient for what the, their, the job that they had to do. And Paul knew that if Timothy wasn't circumcised, that there would be some Jews who would not receive from him. And they would say, oh, who is he? He's not even circumcised, and he's... And his dad is Greek, and they will bring up a whole bunch of stuff about your past. People do it. Uh, and, um, yeah, and so and so Paul has some wisdom in this. And Paul said, hey, let's, let, we're going to get you circumcised. And Timothy had to submit to that. And I'm sure Timothy was like, hey, I'm, at this point, it's thought that Timothy might have been in his late 20s, early 30s. Timothy would have said, I've been... <laughs> I've been doing it all this long. I was fine with it. <laughs> Why change now, right? But for the job at hand, for the calling on your life, for what the Lord wants to use you for, this may be expedient for you to do. How many of, many of us can say we would do that? We would submit. Even though it would be fine for you to continue that way, it may cause some challenges, and you may learn later on, hey, I should have done what Paul told me to do. But, are you willing to be, have the spirit of humility and submit to things where it's gray? Where it's like, well, this isn't sin, but I still, I mean, I've been doing it all this long. You know how we make excuses, y'all. You know how we are. I'm going to say y'all, not we. No, <laughs> you know how we are. <laughs> yes, but I'm willing to have the spirit of humility and submit to what my authority in my life. I remember it was a testimony. This is years ago. And there was a pastor who was a pastor for like 30 years. I mean, this is when I was in high school. And I still remember this guy said, you know, I've been pastoring for X amount of years. And I'm just now being able to speak in the, my people's life. And they listen. And I was like, wow, why? You know, this was years ago that I heard this. And, and so this reminded me of why that's the case. Because you could be under someone's leadership and sit perfect, perfect, perfectly fine as long as they don't speak into your life. They don't tell you what to do. They're not challenging you specifically. And you can sit and say, oh, this is a good word. I'm growing and I love this ministry. But as soon as someone says, hey, I wouldn't do that, you might want to change that. Then we're like, who are you? Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. Spirit of humility that I would allow you to speak in my life. And not that I will allow, so I have to allow you to speak in my life, and I have to be willing to hear you and do what you said. And that's where the challenge is, you know. 
We can we could be on a uh, any anyone's ministry and enjoy ourselves and sit on the back pew. But when the pastor or leader wants to speak into your life, want to challenge you, want to say, "Hey, look, there's a better way. There's a there's a more excellent way." Not that it was sin. Not that it was not. This is not a sin. You know, and, and I pray that people will be able to say, challenge you in that way as well. Hey, don't sin. But this is a gray area. Timothy didn't have to do it, but he was willing to submit to Paul's authority in his life. And I'm sure that was that was game. It's not something that comes overnight. Timothy had walked with Paul and seen Paul's life and said, hey, man, this, this guy is willing to die for the cause. Spread in the gospel. And so yes, I'm willing to submit to that. That's good. Let's Yeah, I got it earlier this week as well, y'all. <laughs> Have a spirit of humility. But not just this pious looking humility that we give out, you know, that we think, uh yeah, I'll do what you you know. No. This is deeper. This becomes personal. This becomes I'm allowing you to speak truth in my life and take your wisdom. Because this was wisdom for Paul. This was wisdom. This was probably wise. And when you look at that, this was wise for Paul to give this direction to Timothy because Paul had been there. He's been down that road. He knew what they were going to face. Paul had been near death in some of these experiences. And so he knew, hey, Timothy, look, to cut out on some junk that may come later, let's take care of this. And it didn't say that Timothy hesitated or, or struggled or battled with it or prayed about it. He submitted and they went on. And finally, be teachable. In your humility, be teachable. Second Timothy three ten through fifteen it says, "But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long suffering, love, perseverance." So this is again Paul speaking about Timothy, saying he has carefully followed my doctrine, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions which has happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. <laughs> yeah, Timothy was there for some of that. What persecutions I've endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Let me read that again. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. So if you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must, talking, Paul talking to Timothy, continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Be teachable. Timothy was teachable. He had learned a lot from Paul, and he was steadily learning in these letters that Paul was sending him. He was absorbing it. And that's not the letters, but the doctrine, the manner of life, purpose. This is discipleship, y'all. <laughs> He's like, he said, you see my life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my love, my perseverance. You walk with me. You see my life, and I'm teaching you with my life, how to be a disciple, to teach others as well. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, 2, it says, 
you therefore, my son, and he said, using my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses. Commit them to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So he's, again, keeping this thing going. Hey, you, I taught you, so now you take what I've taught you and teach other men so that they can teach others as well. Disciple maker. That's what you are. That's what we are. This is how we spread the gospel. This is how we change the world. This is how we grow the church of Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate disciple maker. We're going to close on this. He is encouraging. Is he not? (laughs) Uh, He sees beyond our faults. He sees us the way God sees us. And this, this is good because I, uh, I thought about when they talk about sees beyond our faults. You know, look at how Peter, in one instance, he, talks, he said, get, get thee behind me, Satan. He's talking to Peter. The rock of the church, right? <laughs> and then he says in another verse, <laughs> upon this rock I would build my church. If God can't see beyond your faults and fears, <laughs> your faults and sins, that's so great. That's encouraging that he can call me Satan in one verse. <laughs> Which he may have. I'm sure he has. (laughs) But then see beyond that and say, upon this rock, I will build my church. That's powerful, y'all. And I'm thankful that he sees the blood. Ah. And it it encourages me that it is is his grace that is so powerful in our lives. It's not, I can't do any, it's not any work. It's not any self-effort. It is his grace that we have this gift. Uh, Jesus is intentional. He desires a strong relationship with us. He prays for us. He's on the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. He's open about his suffering, and his testimony is the testimony. He died for you and I. Amen. This has been good. I've been encouraged by discipleship. Again, um, I say this is the end, but I don't know what the Lord may do next. Uh, (laughs) He may say, hey, let's keep this going. I am always grateful for um, repeat, message beca- repeat messages because it gives me the opportunity to get it right if I didn't get it right the first time, or the second, or the fifth, or the tenth, or <laughs> however many times. The Lord is speaking and says, hey, there is yet another opportunity for you to implement this in your life. So you have that grasp. You can use it. I encourage you to write down, you are here in the middle and identify, I'm serious, I'm, I'm really serious about it. This summer, take some time, take some weeks to think about who are your Barnabas are, the people that are doing life beside you that can encourage you, um, that can, you know, sharpen, you can sharpen one another. Um, who are your Timothys that you are feeding into, that you're sharing and pouring life into, that you're discipling, that you're showing them and encouraging them, showing them life. Uh, but more importantly, because this is sometimes harder, who are the people you're going to allow to speak into your life? Who are you going to allow to say, hey, yay, nay, <laughs> left, right? And you can always say, oh, we got the Holy Spirit, and that's, that's great. It covers everybody. <laughs> but who are the people that you're going to allow? Because sometimes in those gray areas in our lives, sometimes we need some direction. Sometimes you just need just to talk things through, and then you figure it out, hey, that you were right. I, I shouldn't go that way. Well, 
to encourage you. Praise the Lord. Amen. You stand to your feet. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Thank you.